Hola, I'm Elias Torres, co-founder and CTO of Drift. You're listening to the American Dream Podcast. On this show, we talk to leaders who have achieved their own version of the American Dream. But we also focus on the work that needs to be done to create a more consistent and diverse face of corporate America. That's why I'm setting aside time to talk to leaders of nonprofit organizations, the people leading the charge to build a brighter future for the next generation. Bienvenidos a todos to the American Dream Podcast. I'm here with Rocio. Happy Hispanic Heterage Month. We're celebrating by highlighting a nonprofit organization that set out to empower Latinas to be innovators and leaders in tech. So Latinas in Tech was founded by Rocio Baniero in 2014 in Silicon Valley and has since expanded across the globe by working alongside top technology companies like LinkedIn, Visa, Slack. The organization provides Latinas with the resources, opportunity, and community they need to earn a seat at the tech table. Love this table. Today, Rocio joins me on the show to talk more about the mission, the work that has been done, and the work that still needs to be done to empower Latinas in tech. So, Rocio, welcome to the show. Bienvenida. Thank you, Elias, and thank you for having us. Tell us about this amazing organization that is much, much needed, especially in tech, right? Tell us a little yeah. bit. 20,000 people, 20,000 women? Yeah, so far it's just, that was like two months ago. That Right now we might be, at, no, we are a little above 22,000. So we grow very fast. Latinas in Tech started just a few Latinas in Tech. Me, one of them, we actually started with two, getting together for coffee. And I was working in tech and, you know, in 2012 or 14, it's very common that in big tech you're the only Latina or even the only woman at the table. We started mainly as senior level Latinas working in different large tech companies, Google, Netflix, Evernote, Prezi. And we were mainly focusing on, you know, accelerate our growth and highlight opportunities, open up doors for each other. It was more that than complaining or even noticing that there was uh, challenges that we were facing. So we were just focusing on growth. And I think that took a lot of traction. So from four, we went to a hundred within like two months and thousands within like three months or four. And it's been just skyrocketing from there. And I think part of our success is that lack of focus on the why nots and mainly on the yes, we can. Absolutely. I love that. There's a stat here I have from you that 50% of your membership has worked over five years, right? Right. So the median is between six and seven years. That's the more common. So that's great, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Where do they sit with that amount of experience at the companies that they're working with? Where do they? 56% are at entry level. So what is entry level? Typically what a normal person would be working at right after college in the first four years or maybe three years of your professional life in tech. So after that, you start growing, right? But then if you look at the years of experience, it is actually the median is between six and nine years. 25% of women have between six and nine, but then still 19% have between 10 and 14, and only 20% of them all are less than 10 years. So hold that thought. So if they are super experienced, they are 56% at entry level, but yet 90% of them have bachelor's degree or above. So we're talking about extremely highly qualified women that just get stuck while everybody else is growing. 
So yeah. this is where we're obsessing. Like, why are they not growing? And I think the answer is, obviously, the system is not working for us, but also we are not working with the system. So there's a game that Latinas need to play into so that they can, you know, benefit from that growth. Yeah. And I'll be blunt, right? I'm a founder. I've started companies. I'm, I'm an executive at companies. And I'll say this, that it's a personal struggle, right? And, but just hear me out. Help me verbalize this. People that are starting earlier in their careers, right? They're like, I've worked in career for 25 years and it's like people want to do accomplish everything in a short amount of time, right? I'm talking about a wide spectrum. And so it's like, that's something I struggle with because I, I always tell people like, I've been focused on gaining experience, achieving results and things have worked out for me, right? But I can't do it quite like as systematic or as timely as other people would like it to be. And so I give that kind of advice, yet I see, I feel like, especially in tech, it's just such a fast movement of titles and progression in a short amount of time. I and mean, I see people that have been six, seven years working and they're vice presidents of companies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, and exactly. So, and so like, I'm just being honest and transparent. I don't think that VP experience, you can achieve it in six and seven years, but- No, for sure. But if it's happening for others, why is it not happening for Latinas? Like I wanted yeah. to- if it, want it to be fair, right? If it's happening to others, like... Yeah, I mean, just single out California, single out Silicon Valley. And if you look at all the decision-making positions, say director and above, what is the percentage of Latinos or just alone Latinas up there? Vice presidents, C-level board members, like they are virtually not there. So we are working to change that. The whole problem goes back to years and years and years of much complex and greater problem, right? Like who had a good education 30 years ago? The whites or the black and brown? Who went to Ivy League colleges? From those Ivy League colleges, who founded companies? Who brought in their bodies? How do they look like? You hire people that look like you, but because simply your bodies look like you. So that like, they were not like, ooh, I only want to found a company of white people. That's that, no, nobody has ill intent. It's just so that our world works that way and we need to change that. And it took years for it to be like that. How soon can we change it? So if we call that the system, we're not going to change the system tomorrow. It's just not going to work for us. We need to change the way we can control it. And as a group, we could potentially move the system. So let me give you a clear example. You're a CEO, you're a founder, your mind and behavior works differently than the employees. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to give you a a story. I was with recruiters from top tech companies, say Netflix, Facebook, Google, and I had like a a hundred Latinas listening and asking questions in that panel. And the question to them was, if you could put percentages, what percentage of the time do you award races to people that ask versus people that perform and you offer it, like you volunteer it? So the consensus was that that 90% of increases and promotions were asked. Okay, so that doesn't work that way for the Latino market. But also if you split men and women in the Latino segment, it also works very differently because overall women and men are very different. So they are the minority within the minority. So I turned to the Latinas and they are about 100. Yes, for math, let's make it 100. Raise your hand if you have asked for a raise or a promotion in the last 12 months, given that you have been working there for 12 months and you have accomplished or exceeded your goals. Raise your hand if you've done it. Do you know how many people raise their hand? 
call it three or four. Yeah. So, okay. So just that. I just asked them, okay, tomorrow, everybody that didn't raise a hand that could have, go and ask for a raise. Why? Because if you're accomplishing and exceeding your goals, you've been there for 12 months, they're not volunteering it for you. Go and ask the no you already have. So yeah. they're not going to fire you for that unless you're really underperforming or you were hired yesterday, right? So there are so many things that Latinas and Latinos can do to own that growth before they expect the system to change for them, if that makes sense. I love how you broke it down. And, you know, as a business owner, right, it's like, I think, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. I, I think we are very systematic in like, we're looking every cycle of races. We're like, okay, who hasn't? What's the age of every person that hasn't gotten a race? What's the last amount? When they were last touched? Their performance. And I have pushed my team, especially in the product organization, to be like, I want movement. I want, I want mm -hmm. consistency. I want, I don't, you know, I can't have somebody four years hasn't said anything. About, so we're like proactive yet never can do enough. Right. Because exactly people want a hundred percent of them want to race. And so I'll tell you, that's the business side of it. However, you nailed it though. I think that even though I would say we have, we volunteer races without people asking us, there is nothing wrong with asking. Most of the stat, there is absolutely nothing wrong. It puts you in the priority and it makes you, you need to get a pulse of how well you're performing because sometimes people think they're performing, but they're not. And so that forces the question that getting synchronized with your manager, right? And be like, so that's such a very powerful thing of like, and I can think of exercises to be checking on your membership all the time. Have you asked for a race this year? Exactly. And having member like managers encourage that behavior. Right. You know, so you can say, and what's the process too? Because you don't want to wait till the last minute to go ask. You want to be systematically asking about exactly. your performance. That's what companies need to, to be proactive on teaching, right? Mm -hmm. But that's why we're just tackling the problem head on. So if you don't feel confident, we'll train you on feeling confident. You train, we train you negotiating your salary. We, we teach you how. So that's why we exist. And salary negotiation is just one little thing. There's so many things we can control. So I would say at Latinas in Tech, we, 70% of what we do is really focused on the Latinas because they can do so many things. But then, yes, the system as you say, what you have done, what many others have done, like inherently, all the companies are good. They don't really try to screw us yeah. up. So they, uh, many are by trial and error. And then there's always, you know, the bigger you get, legal implications and politics, so many things, right? So we try to work with the system and with their employee resource groups and see how we can influence the system to change as fast as we can. Now, there will be a percentage that, they're not willing to change and that we cannot change with the Latinas. Yeah, yeah. So for that, we work with lawmakers and we try to introduce uh, legislation that will help us cover for a part of what we cannot cover. There will always be a part that nobody can cover, right? So that's a little bit of what we do. We're right now, we're 15 people. Actually, today, as of yesterday, 17 people. Yeah, <laughs> we just welcome two new Latinas to the team. That's how we do it. And we're in 20 cities, six countries right now. We have around 100 volunteers running them. 
Yeah, I mean, I was having a meeting with the member of our Latino ERG at Drift, and this young man was like frustrated, right? Because he's like, he's like, why don't we have more people across all the management layers and Latinos and stuff like that? And it should be at this percentage. And, and like, I think like you were saying, I was like, I go, I can't fix that in one year. <laughs> this is a systematic problem. And so what I, what I was saying, and, and tell me what you can do, what you're doing with companies of like, I go, we got to go focus. Let's say that executive is going from level five to level six, right? Or level four to level five. You're not going to jump them. No, I'm going, let's go find all the level fours that we have that can be level fives, not level four, five, six, and seven or eight. I go, yeah. let's go make sure that all those people are in good standing. They're working. They're talking exactly. to their managers. They need a little bit of a push. A little bit, right? Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just recently, I read an article from Harvard Business Review. And, you know, other communities are like, why are you creating these programs only for them? Like, let's be equal. And it is a complicated thought because historically, they have been under represented. They have been under-deserving. So if you had three children and one is handicapped, you're going to do a little bit more effort to have him level up, right? Yeah. So this is the same thing. They have historically struggled. So companies are like, it should be okay to help them a little more, to give them a little bit of a push, yeah. right? Like if you open like, okay, Ask for a raise. You have to push the Latinas. Do ask for that raise. You have to do a little different. And then when companies are like, yeah, we need more level. Well, what is it? Your top level, five, level six or one? I'm not sure. But top level, Absolutely. senior level. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to bring in senior level Latinas. Yeah. Okay. So if it's not you, let's say it's Google, right? You're Because you're a Latino leader. That's great. But say you're another organization that doesn't have uh, Latinos at the top and only has Latinos at the bottom. What do you do? Okay, one option is, okay, I'll hire a senior Latino to come into a higher position. You're not helping the bottom. And so it's good that you're bringing in somebody else. Great. We need those mentors. This is really important. There's nobody tomorrow put put somebody. But do make sure the bottom grows up. Yeah. It's about the funnel having the ability to flow. Exactly. Like, why are they not growing? What is broken in your system? So you want that entry-level people for <laughs> that have been there for seven years to be managers and some of them to be directors. And maybe in five years, they will be the decision makers and they will bring you more people. They will bring you more senior people. And yes, you can partner with Latinas in Tech. You, can, you don't need to really partner, but you can hire from a pool of people because there's qualified people. And you can always, this is a trick in tech that you must know very well. You're two years in one, you jump to another one and you're higher. And that's how people become vice president, right? That's super common. Like jumping from company to company, you accelerate your growth. So if that's the case, then instead of offering a VP level to somebody, use that because there is talent outside and still an awesome manager or an awesome director Latino from somewhere else. That is a great way to bring in talented Latinos and they will bring you more people. But right. don't forget your own. Exactly. Yeah, I know. It, it, it is like, oh, I'm going to hire an executive. And that means we just musical chairs, just the top people that took 10, exactly. 20 years. As opposed to like, what is the system, right? Yeah. The system is always like, yeah, but we want them to, with experience doing this. We want a director that has proven to be a director doing the same thing somewhere else. Then you're just in the same system. And how many times have I been in an emergency where I have an executive leave 
And I put someone in that director job because you know what? This is the closest person to it. So here's your opportunity to prove yourself. And I would do that. Why we're not doing that for Latinas? Because what I want to get to the next step here, right? What is this broken problem in the funnel? It's a matter of trust. Why are not the Latinas moving up in the funnel? First, you need somebody to trust because they lack trust in themselves culturally. Like they're not going to be like, put me in there now. You as a manager, you do need to open doors for them, men or women. I'm going to give you an example. I hired two executives at Latinas in Tech and we had to restructure. They had to go. I could bring in two more senior people to the team, but instead I promoted their direct reports. And oh my God, oh my God, they're doing amazing. Now I created two senior people that didn't exist before that now somebody else can hire and they have the experience. So we can play musical chairs by moving people around the same level, or you can lift people from level to level. So that is the best way as executives can help create more senior people, just promote them. Because it is like, I don't know, I, I look back at the people, like I had a colleague when I started at Prezi, I started in, say, she's been there for like six years, she's still in, in the same position. Well, in the same time, I moved five times up in the ladder. So the company's not going to come and say, hey, you want to be promoted? Like you have to voice things. You have to ask, like start owning projects because then you get promoted. Like if you see somebody else, you know, quit or be fired, jump into their project, own them, shine. And then, but always make sure you get promoted. Don't do free work. <laughs> I love this. This is so powerful because... Everyone else is doing it, right? And, and like, it's okay for the company to say no to a promotion. It's okay for a company to say not yet. They have the reasons. They have the reasons, as long as it's being done fairly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is that if it's only whites have the confidence or only males have the confidence to make the ask, the people that are not able to make the ask doesn't mean that they're unqualified for doing the job. Yeah, totally. I had a direct report that I love. I hired her back in 2009, and I've carried her with me in every job I, I have. Like, I move, I hire her. And then she was with me at the last company. She was there for, like, say, five years. And at some point, I'm like, and I got promoted. I moved into corporate. She was still in international market, but she was loving it. And I'm like, your promotion material, you have to ask. Like, please, please, please. Like, I was more acting as her mentor. Like, please ask, because then they will give it to you. And she refused. Like, she actively said, I can't do it. It's not in me. I'm not that person. I'm sorry. I'm not like you. And I'm like, oh, my God. Because I cannot ask in her behalf. I can recommend her. But you can, like, she has to ask. And maybe she doesn't want to be promoted, but she needs to be paid fairly. She needs to be paid more. My personal, I like a little bit of a balance, right? I wouldn't want to recommend Latinas to go and be that person that every three months is like, no. give, me a, give me a raise. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's annoying. It's annoying. I agree. You, I don't want those people and then we would get a bad rap. Totally. But maybe once a year or once every two years. But if you've been in the company for three years and you've never asked for a promotion, they've never given it to you, not even an inflation increase, dude, you have to talk. Exactly. And, and you're like, you've been there five years. You got to be a first time manager. And I, yeah. I guess the other advice, one, one of my stories was that I was at IBM and I was working for this Latina VP she was a mentor of mine and she, as people were leaving, she wanted to give me the management job, go from engineer to manager. And I had this bad idea in my mind that management was bad. 
like meaning like I want to be an inventor, an engineer, a creator. And there was dual ladder at IBM. And I said, no, to the management position. Yeah. People's manager, HR kind of thing. People manager, HR, like that's just bullshit. And I'm like, so I, I want to do this. And so she hired a woman to be my co-manager type of thing. So it was a woman be a manager and I was the technical lead. And guess what? Nobody listened to me or did anything I asked them to do. Oh, really? <laughs> because she was the manager. Oh, she was good. No, no, but she was the one who would do the races and the promotions because yeah, she did. Yeah, that's true. But one other thing that Latinas suffer from, different to Latinos, is that sometimes they talk and it goes, Phew. but if a man talks, it's assertive. If a woman talks passionately, she's, she's being right, emotional. Right. We do get mansplained all the time. So there's a li not every woman has that great experience. I did have a great experience because I talk a lot. And right, I, right. yeah, because I have a neighbor personality. But not everybody has that. Right. She was, she was, yeah, no, she, she wasn't Latina, the woman, but, but people would be like, she, she wanted to do something else. And so what I was saying, it didn't matter because they were like, the one who does my races. So like, yeah. And, so and there are I, ways to grow. Right. But what I learned that day was like, it's very hard to be a good manager. <laughs> it is know? very hard. Yeah. And, and not everything is races and money for being yeah, a leader. But we have to encourage Latinas to go seek management positions. Because yeah, that's, totally. that's the standard ladder to go. Totally. A management position brings in more Latinas. Exactly. So a Latina tends to leave her job, say, like halfway what they could have stayed. They leave the tech industry. They leave that company. Why? Because the house is not ready for them. Not always. It's yeah. a boys club. You're alone. There's no ERG group. There's not many resources. And then microaggressions are never, like, it's not, are not openly talk like maybe each person throws in or they don't even know they're throwing in as a microaggression but the person affected gets like mosquito bites all over so it can get tiring if they internalize them all the time so imagine your house your company is a house and you're gonna throw in a party and I'm this popular girl that has a lot of friends should I invite my friends all my friends to your house if your house is dirty and the ceiling has holes I'm not Because if they come, they will leave immediately. They don't like it. You have to clean your house first. You have to do a good job catering for your guests. So that is what we are passionate about. So Google, don't come to me trying to hire my girls. Like, ensure you're going to keep them. You're going to cater for them. They are different. Right now, our group is different. It has a little bit different needs so that they can thrive. It is that challenged child you need to push a little harder. So demonstrate to me that you're a good fit so that you can marry my family, right? <laughs> I love that. Back to the other thing that you said that I hate it when people complain. I hate complainers. I don't want them in the world. People, there's some <laughs> back home. But to be like, oh, you're not inclusive. It's like, how is it an argument still that there's yeah. underrepresented people and that if you are making it your work. Are policing, pol over-policing that. You're doing the job of helping a group of people. That means that you're doing bad because you're not helping everybody. Like you're dedicating your time full-time so, to a nonprofit organization. Why yeah, are there so, so my, These people got to get go mind their own business. <laughs> yes. So my advice there, because it can happen, like women in general, if there's a woman policing, like, oh, you just mansplain me and blah, blah, blah it stops the shining, 
Everybody's there to shine and shine his work, being successful, do a good job. That's shining. And if I'm going to stand up every single time I feel there's an aggression, I'm never going to shine. And I'm not going to let you guys shine. You know who should do this? Allies. And not with every single thing. And I like can notice something like, hey, did you just mansplain her? Let her talk. That resonates more than her stopping her argument and stopping the shining process. It is the job of the ally to detect those things and let the girls shine or let the challenged child shine because it is not their job. They're already suffering by the microaggression if there's any. If the ally didn't catch it, maybe it's also, you know, so minor that it should not prevent you from shining. Right. There's so much to do, right? And I get both overwhelmed and I also have as an entrepreneur an ability to, you know what? I don't care about every problem in the world. I'm just going to care about the one that I'm trying to help with, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, as long as I'm doing something, I can't be, can't fix them all. But like in your stuff, there's just so much to do. But I feel like the power comes where the money is. And so to get women promoted into the places, I would be maniacal about that. That way, like, like you said, when you make a Latina manager, you get more Latinas, right? And so like, that's something I did when I joined HubSpot. The product organization had like two women total, right? Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. it took a huge amount of effort. I learned so much because I didn't know any of this stuff. Like at that time, I would get enough trust, but the women in my team, I had to have them interview all the time, right? Because I only had two. And so like every time I had a woman and then they would come and tell me, the women in my team would be like, that candidate is worried of how this organization looks. Yeah. And they are also, you just explained a big problem. The two women were tiring of being in all the interviews. Exactly. So sometimes we have to, like, that. now they had that other job. Like, yeah. say, a Latina. Now, if you're the only Latina, you're in every picture as a diversity. Yeah. If you're the Latina, now you need to translate for somebody else something they cannot read. Like there are things. And then if you're the Latina, you should be the leader of the ERG of minorities. Like we have to absorb it all because we're only one or two. But if you had more, it wouldn't be just me. Exactly. But it took a lot of effort to move up the numbers and understand why they were not taking the jobs and why they were not interested in second rounds and things like that, right? And always remember, as a leader of an organization, because of this historical problem of a pipeline, right, there were not that many Latinos studying in good universities. Now there are. There's a lot of talent, don't get me wrong. But historically, it has been challenging. So companies give a chance to people that are missing just a bit because you can train them in that bit. Don't ask for 10 years experience you're peeling off or 20 years experience for a manager position. You're peeling off the crowd that you need. But it's so, like I've seen the results, train your own people. They will work way better than if they come with tons of years of experience from a competitor. It's not going to work out. Like, I'm not saying it's not going to work out. Sorry, I take it back. But it's also going to work out if you give them a chance. And we need to give them chances. We're going to do the right thing. But I'm also, I'm a little pessimist and I feel like I can't expect the allies and the whites to solve all this for us. Like, I'm more of a little of a revolutionary, right? And saying, like, I want you to go and say, keep pushing women to get the promotions, track them, network them and say, and boycott to a certain extent and say, like, you know what? We're not going to go to that company. Yeah. And we go mm-hmm. make this other company better. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. You can't. It's just forget about it. We can't be 
doing that. And I would say, I don't know, am, am I anti-union? I'm anti-union, but I feel like this is, has to be a type of union, you know. Well, the ARGs are in a way a type of union, right? Exactly. So I'm going to give you an example. Contingent workers, all the workers that are not employees, anything that is not in your payroll, that's a contingent worker, right? They are under contract, they're part-time, they work for somebody else, you name it. They typically have less benefits, they so many problems with them. You cannot give them raises. You cannot promise, you know, stability, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So some companies come to us to post their jobs. They have a thousand open jobs. Why would you come and post a contingent worker positions in mine? Let's boycott that. I'm sorry, but my 20,000 Latinas, they don't do that. Yeah. They deserve full-time jobs with full-time benefits. They at least deserve to have all the information so that they can decide. No, I love this. And, you know, we got to... Keep being unapologetic, right? Anybody complains, I'm helping. I'm now get to grateful, blessed that I'm helping with the scholarship that I got to college at USF. And I said to them a few years back, I only wanted to be for Latinas in CS, right? Oof, that was yeah. that was my requirement because it's That'd like, yeah, I mean, I care about Latinas, but like you said, right? It's just just. That's the segment that is the even smaller, smaller segment that is doing that stuff. So my mind is like, I want to go where there's the most. And if we can push those people to come yeah, and put into the rest of, totally. the, of the world, like how do we get them be worthy of a hire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I'm going to put California again as an example. So in California, we're like somewhere between 40 and 50% of the population Latinos. Yet... We have the largest tech industry, right, in Silicon Valley, even L.A., but 1% of the technology industry workers are Latinos, 1%. Well, now it's more like 2%, so it's growing a little bit, or it changes how you measure it. And don't even, well, we spoke about how different it is at decision-making positions, but, but they're there. But when you look at buyers of technology or entertainment, for is they have the same problem, like who goes to the movies? Who buys apps? The money they are getting from the Latino community is huge, but yet they don't employ us. And we are the citizens. So you're based in a place where half of the population where you are are Latinos, but you don't hire them. You much yeah. rather bring in people from like Asia or mostly white people. And it is true, as you say. Rocio, let's not complain. Let's focus on the shining. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I want to go to something. Yeah. There is, in fact, a pipeline problem. If you look at the number of people that are graduating from computing science, how many people are Latinas? Go back, go to high school. From all the schools I was researching, how many people study concentrations in STEM? And from those, what percentage are Latinos? So from our homes, we're not going into STEM. So there's a cultural, like let's talk about our culture, Latinos like the Jewish community or the Indian community. Before they eat anything, they covered education. You fly super high. And in the Latino community, we fail when we see, okay, the first money we get, we get a better TV. So the American dream is broken. People come here, they work in the fields with the hope that their kids will do better. But then you still see people, kids of field workers still working in the fields and they're legal American citizens, but they are yet not going to this computer science careers where they should be going, they could, they could, but they just, like, if you talk to a high school principal of only Latinos, what do you want to be when you grow up? A hairdresser like my mom. Cool, you want to be like your mom. 
but we can aspire because they think they cannot accomplish. Something is broken. Therefore, our pipeline is still broken. We need to fix it so that they can actually hire that qualified people they think. So, yes, I do complain that we're not there, but I don't only complain about the companies. I complain about the system. I complain about us fixing it because there's a lot more to grab. Right, right. No, I just was going to say, like, flip to shine. And I love what you said, though. It's shocking me to my core, right? I mean, I think it's the same thing that you're trying to do with Latinas to get a promotion. I think the principle is the same. You cannot be for six years doing the same job. Mm-hmm. You cannot be for generations doing the same job. Exactly, exactly. And we need to move. Unless you're an owner, like if you <laughs> own the farm, then continue owning the farm. Fine. Or is that what makes you happy? That's and, fine. And, and, you know, create wealth for your people. And if we succeed in the short term or in the long term, we will move from being consumers of technology to be makers of technology. And that is what we need to do. That's it. That's mm-hmm. simple. I mean, I think that this is extremely powerful, what you just said, and it's simple, right? You're just like, we need to get Latinas promoted. We need to Latinas move up management, but it's really about breaking the cycle, right? Yeah, and owning it. Like a lot of people are afraid to dream big because they think they will fail. But it's the same as the race. If you don't ask for it, you don't get it. So status quo doesn't change. So what? If you don't aim high and go high, what? You're just going to go back where you are? Yeah, and and I've talked about this in other episodes, right? It's really, I was talking with this with Adrian Mendoza, Adrian Mendoza, saying like, if you're white and you went to Stanford and you went to Harvard, you have the confidence to ask people, you go to so LPs and you say, give me a hundred million dollars. But if you're Latino, Latina, you go, you're like, oh, I'm only going to raise a million or five million or 10 million. But it's, you go ask and then they're still going to be told maybe a hundred people are still going to say no to them. But one is going to say yes, right? Yeah. So lose the fear of being rejected. Like what's wrong with Latinas going to start for in Harvard? What's wrong with Latinos going there? Did they apply? Yeah. Like a clear one is that one Latino that I saw in Harvard, I was like, how did you get in there? Well, I applied. Yeah. I went to Harvard because some people at IBM told me, you don't know anything about computer science. You need to go back. (laughs) I applied and I got rejected. Wow. No surprise. So I get rejected. But you know what I did? Because I was living in Boston. I walked in, imagine me, like, I don't, like Harvard is distributed all over the place, over the city, Austin, this, Brighton, whatever, Cambridge. I find the the CS school and I walk into this Pierce Hall and I'm like, where's the registration office for the CS school? Tell me why I got rejected. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I tracked down, I stayed there the whole afternoon sitting in some pew in the office and then they said... Well, it looks like the notes say that you don't have enough experience because you didn't do undergrads, yes. <laughs> How do we fix that? And they're like, and so somebody said, take some classes at the extension school. And guess what? I took extension school classes. And then I got in. And then I applied again and I went and asked the professor, give me a recommendation. And then I applied again. So it's like, if we just, I failed, but yeah. you tried. And- I think... Things play well to people that don't take no for an answer. That, that's because the other message, yeah. That, like, when people ask me, what defines your growth? Well, because I'm freaking terca. Yeah. I'm terca. 
And that I think that's the case for many. Females are terco, so so I think we just got to use that to our advantage. Our strengths are our weaknesses. Our weaknesses are our strengths. So yeah, and I think that a good conclusion from it is, you know, because we're Latinos or because whatever, Plan A might not always work, but hell, you have a Plan B and a Plan C under your sleeve. Yeah, I mean, I think both sayings. Not to get pedantic, but I've learned from white people that. I know a guy that sold a company for $3 billion, right? And it was a crazy thing. I mean, this guy was burning $50 million a month. And his lesson was, Elias, there is no plan B. His motto was no plan B. This has yeah. to work. And so you can also apply that. that yeah, in, the opposite. Mm-hmm. To the opposite. Yeah. Right? It's like, forget about plan B, plan C. It just takes many tries, but plan A, it's going yeah. to work. Like you got to get But then this- you just try it. Then you try it. It's a, it's a freaking fear of failure yeah. that prevents a lot of people from moving. And that's also another thing I see culturally. People in, in Latin America, failure is, it should be avoided at all costs. Whereas in Silicon Valley, it's like, well, it's, a, so it's actually applauded. Yeah, it's like, applauded. I mean, even like, by, by investors. Just raise another billion dollar, you know, another company after we work. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I heard that. That's That's incredible. <laughs> Like everybody's upset, right? But it's like people go like financially it makes sense. Why not back the person that has failed before and like has connections, you know? Yeah. Right, yeah. Right? And so like so we, we just need to get into that game. We just need to get into the yeah, yeah. thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. for what you're doing. Absolutely. You're shining, you're shining, <laughs> you're helping. I'm so proud to have interviewed you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the American Dream Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe so you never miss when a new episode drops. If you like this episode, please leave a six-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're interested in learning more about my American Dream mission, subscribe to my newsletter linked in the show notes.